Candace, tell me if this happens to you. Mm-hmm. All the time I get people who are really worried about climate and they say, OK, well, if you could just tell me what is something that I could do right now today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to help the planet? Yes. Yeah, of course. All the time. They want that. What's the top five? Give me the top five. Just give it to me straight. What do I have to do? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so we do have someone who wants that top five. Mm. Her name is Janelle Erickson. She grew up near Sequoia National Park in the Central Valley with the idea that it was really important to care for these really big, cool trees that mm-hmm. she lived near. And like other people she knows, she's overwhelmed by these images of environmental catastrophe. My question is, what are the top five things an individual can do to make the biggest impact to help solve climate change? Yeah, that makes total sense. What What's going to move the needle? What's going to make a difference? What can I do right now? Exactly. When I went searching for an expert to answer it, I was admittedly surprised by the five that she chose. Mm, okay, let's check it out. From KCRW, this is the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast, your practical personal guide to protecting the planet. I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, environmental educator and CEO of Friends of the LA River. And I'm Kaylee Wells, KCRW's climate reporter. The tough part about this one is there are a lot of lists to choose from. Yeah. And the exact order really kind of depends on your lifestyle, right? If you've got a private jet, number one is probably don't use a private jet. Sure. Um, and maybe start some sort of climate foundation With all while that you're at it. <laughs> But for most of us, it looks a little different, this list that we're talking about. Right. We put this question to a climate scientist named Dr. Brenda Ekwurzel, and she's got a lot of titles. <laughs> she is a director at the Union of Concerned scientists, and she also co-authored a book called Cooler, Smarter, Practical Steps to Low Carbon Living. I think the order has changed partly because of the urgency and the scale of the problem. I would put number one is vote. Yes, this is on my list for sure. Mm -hmm. This especially makes sense for those of us here in the U.S. because we have the most emissions per person in the world. We've got the largest economy in the world. So what we do has this global impact and we have to make decisions and put the right people in power and to build the policies that are actually going to move the needle and change things and make things better. You're right. Because we have this outsized impact, that means that we have this really big responsibility Mm -hmm. and that can feel like a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. to have to meet that. But I will say when she made the same point to me, I actually felt really optimistic. It made me feel good because that means now I can be more hopeful. How lucky am I? I get to have such an outsized impact in fixing this. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Here's number two. Number two would be to really start getting involved in local decision making around issues related to your hometown. Uh, making it more energy efficient, as well as more resilient to the climate change impacts. Yeah, of course, I love this one. I thought you might. What what I do (laughs) as an environmental educator and a local activist and a community organizer, environmental justice advocate, all those things. There are these really cool efforts going on in your local community-based organizations. People are doing things every single day. We get up, um, our our partners and our, our Folks that we work with at all the other environmental nonprofits in in the area all across the country, we get up and we do little and big things to make it better. And we need donations and volunteers and people who care to kind of get involved with that, too. So that's something everyone can do today. And there's really no shortage of places you can go to go do that. No shortage. Which is pretty cool. That's number two. Number three evaluate how you can decrease your personal emissions. And she offered up some of the biggest ways you can do that. It could be researching electric vehicles, research about heat pumps, or 
ask for an energy audit of your home or reducing your high carbon intensive food choices throughout a typical week, such as uh, meat, typically. Yes, these are in my big three. How you eat, how you move, how you get around, transportation, and how you use energy are really, really big. So this like personal kind of... um, like inventory and and thought process about how you can change those things that is super super important yeah especially if you have someone saying i have to do something today Mm -hmm. i can't Mm -hmm. do an energy audit of my home today right but you could not eat meat today you can make that choice that's a pretty easy one to start with or you could ride your bike these Mm -hmm. are things that people can do right away yeah right And the reason she got more excited about EVs and heat pumps specifically is because now we have all these big, giant financial incentives that have made a lot of these decisions more affordable for the first time Mm. for a lot of people. And I'm, of course, talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, the bipartisan infrastructure law, Mm -hmm. these massively important pieces of climate legislation that have really painfully boring (laughs) titles. Yes, but don't let the titles deter you because there are thousands and thousands of dollars sitting around to help you buy an EV or put solar on your roof or any of these things. And that's huge. These incentives, these rebates, all of these things are super helpful for just everyday people to take those actions and to really kind of make those decisions and get over, get across the line in these areas. Yeah. And if you're like me and you don't own a house, so you can't put a solar panel on your roof, Mm -hmm. or maybe Mm -hmm. you've already got the EV, then skip the burger. Skip the burger. Number four? Yep. Number four. We know that Basically, people often trust their family and friends more than news outlets or politicians. So our recommendation number four is really talk to your friends and family about your climate concerns and how you are trying to make changes in your own life and your community. So this doesn't mean you have to become the climate police. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, sure, I know, I know. But, you know, there's there's a nicer way to do that. You could be like, wow, I found this really cool vegan restaurant we should try, or I really like composting in my yard. You want to come see? Yes, this community piece is super important, right? So we are absolutely social creatures, and we need to share what we're doing. The lesson that we learn is that we, when we share what we're doing, we're inspiring others to join us. We're modeling. We're encouraging um, more folks to kind of get on board. And people see you doing it and think, oh, I can do that. Yeah, I, I will say as someone who has been the recipient of that, as well as the person trying to convince people. <laughs> but as the recipient, I feel way more inspired to try and participate mm-hmm. if someone's showing me this cool thing and yes. I feel like I'm being welcomed instead of being scolded. That's right. That's right. And there's a lot of room for that. There are things you're doing, I'm doing, everyone's doing that they could be talking a little bit more about and sharing with their friends and family. Yeah, totally. OK, so the number five way to help the planet. Number five is hold fossil fuel companies accountable for the harm of their products by recognizing greenwashing when you see it and point out better options when given the chance. Which is this whole vote with Mm -hmm, your dollar mm -hmm. idea. So, you know, if you need a new pair of pants, maybe think about what company it's coming from. Some of the notorious fast fashion brands, for example, H&M, Zara, They have all these sustainable or recyclable initiatives, but they're still built on this model that your clothes are going to go out (laughs) of style in six months before they're worn out. So you need to go buy another pair of new pants. That would be an example of greenwashing. Yeah. And this is also where I throw in considering where you bank, because Mm -hmm. if all your money is sitting in a savings account run by the nation's largest investors in fossil fuels, that might be a pretty big way to vote with your dollar. Yeah. And there's some bad news here because your money statistically, probably mm, in one mm-hmm. of those banks. I mean, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, City, Bank of America, mm-hmm. Wells Fargo, mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs. Have I named your bank yet? <laughs> They've all got billions of dollars invested in fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. 
Time for those takeaways. The answer to Janelle's question about the five top things you can do today is consider where you vote, get involved in local climate initiatives, reduce that personal carbon footprint. That's that what you eat, how you get around, where your energy comes from. Tell your friends about your efforts and put your money into the companies that are actually making sustainable changes, not just mm-hmm. the companies that say they are. All right. What's the good climate news this week? The good news this week has to do with the California legislature. Do you remember how California leased out all that area off the coast of California to build big wind turbines? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, but you're not going to build a big wind turbine until someone wants to buy all that energy that you're going to create for them. And so as it stood, we were going to have to wait for all of these private companies to want to buy that Mm -hmm. wind. It would have to become financially viable for them to do that. Well, now the California legislature has decided to let the state buy that wind, which sort of kickstarts the process of building those wind turbines. Now the people who are going to build the turbines know that there will be a buyer for them, them, which is sort of a huge deal because we need that offshore wind Mm -hmm. if we're going to hit this really aggressive goal that the state has to run on 100% renewable energy by 2045. Wow, that really is good news. That's it this week on the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast. If you haven't, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. We've got a newsletter that will have our advice every week. If you want to get that in your inbox, you can go to kcrw.com slash climate. That's also where you'll go if you want to ask us a question, kcrw.com slash climate. Next week, we've got an episode that hits climate action cheerleaders like us pretty close to home because it gets to the question, how do you protect the planet without driving the people around you nuts? I was wondering if there were any like tips or tricks about how I can influence people in the faculty lounge to be more eco-conscious every day. I'm Kaylee Wells, climate reporter at KCRW. I'm Candace Hickens-Russell, environmental educator and CEO at Friends of the LA River. Our executive producer is Sonia Geis. Our production assistant is Celine Mendiola. Our technical director is John Meek. And our music is by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. The Anti-Dread Climate Podcast is a KCRW production. KCRW.